St. James podcast, where you can find weekly teaching, encouragement, and interviews to inspire you in your walk with Christ. We'd love to hear how our ministry is touching your life. Please share your story with us by emailing sjlife.com. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. tell you that is amazing thing to see all that's what it's like when you go all over where we've drill, drilled wells and I've been been able to be over there and see them firsthand and not only in Zambia but in Zimbabwe um, and to see it's always like that there's always people gathered around those wells getting fresh safe drinking water so isn't it wonderful to have our team over there right now and I just wonder if we could lift up a prayer for our Zambia team right now let's just pray for them Lord Thank you so much for our Zambia team and, and for our partners over there, Bishop Alfred Colombo and the Wesleyan uh, Church and all of the members of the village there that are partnering with us. Father, we just pray for continued blessings upon all of them. We pray for traveling mercies for our team. We pray for fruitfulness and effectiveness. And we pray that uh, through the gifts of, of this great church and through people actually going on the ground, such as our team that's there now, well, we thank you that we get to be a part of making a difference around the world. So, Father, we uh, praise you and give you all the praise and glory and just thank you for this team and bring them back safely home to us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. It's good to see you this morning. We're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, and we've been looking at what Solomon has to say and has the, the wisdom that he's been able to give us for our everyday lives. And we've been digging in. Each Sunday, we've been looking at different things that Solomon gives advice on. And uh, today, I'm going to talk about something that uh, is uh, really, really important. And it's about the advice that Solomon gives us for our work, our jobs, what we do. It's so important because did you know that you're going to spend... 40% of the waking hours of your life working. Did you know that? 150,000 hours of your life you're going to spend working. And students, I know right now you're getting an education. Your job right now is in school, is sharpening your gifts and, and, and skills so that you can prepare yourself for whatever God calls you to do in the future, whatever your career will be in the future. And, and I don't care if you uh, work in the fire department and administration, whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or, or in the military, uh, a housewife. It, listen, if you're a housewife, you're, you're spending 100% of your waking hours working, right? If you, especially if you've got young children. So uh, whatever your job is, whatever God's called you to do, that's your job. That's your work. And Solomon gives us great wisdom in how to be successful in our work, what we're called to do. And when I say successful, or when I use that word success, I'm talking about being effective at accomplishing what it is that you're setting out to do in whatever work that you have. So today I want to talk to you about how wise people succeed at work. And this is advice from Solomon. Work is a huge chunk of your life. And it matters to you 
and it matters to your family, but it also matters to God how you use it and how you do it, okay? So this is going to be some real practical advice today from Solomon. So I want you to hang with me, and and we're going to walk through this. First of all, he says in Proverbs uh, 16, 3, commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. He gives a promise and a premise. Every time in the Bible when you see a promise, there's always a premise that goes with it. If you will commit your work to the Lord, then you will receive the promise and you will be successful. And again, that definition of success that I'm talking about is being effective and fruitful at whatever you're setting out to do. Okay? So let's look at what Solomon has to say. He gives us several different key pieces of advice. First of all, he says, seek God's direction. If you want to be successful in whatever God is calling you to do, whatever your work is, whatever your job is, then you need to seek God's direction. Listen to what he says. The Lord is pleased when good men pray. I'll, I'll translate it this way. The Lord is pleased when good people pray. When good people pray, good things happen. The he who plans a thing is successful. So here we see Solomon in two chapters right here tying two things together when it comes to work. Praying and planning. Praying and planning. They always go together. And when it comes to your job, whatever it is, prayer and planning are a key part of what we do. Now, let me ask you a question. This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it or raise your hand or anything, but how many of you at work feel like you're doing lots of things and you're checking off the list of everything you have to do every day, but you feel like you're going nowhere fast? Again, don't raise your hand. Your boss may be in the room, so don't raise your hand. You feel like you're doing a lot of stuff, but you're going nowhere fast. You're not experiencing the success that you envision for yourself. You're not seeing your your business or your work or your job being as fruitful as you want it to be. Well, I think Solomon would say to us, we need to undergird our work with prayer and planning. So how might you pray? Now, for a lot of business people, when you say this, uh, they might say, well, you know, that's my work. You know, I have my, my, my spiritual life, my, my church life, my family life, my work life, my hobby life, my social life, whatever. No, but it all goes together. You can't compartmentalize it. It all goes together. So you not only need to be praying and planning about your life and your family and everything else in your world, but also about your work, about your job, about your career. So what might you pray about work? You might pray something like this. Lord, how do you want me to use my job to honor you? How can I use my gifts and my opportunities and my talents and my position to honor you and to bring glory to you and make a difference for you? Is that something that you pray regularly when it comes to your job? Have you ever even thought about the fact that 
God's given you this position, this job, to make a difference for him. To not only serve other people, but to serve him. There's lots of different ways that that might happen. He also wants us not only to pray, but he wants us to plan. I want to I want to share something with you that that really impacted me. It's a quote that really impacted me when I was young. So especially I want all of you young folks. I want you to really memorize this quote. It's real easy. Here it is. It's by Frederick Buchner, who is a theologian and a writer, educator. He said, "Your vocation in life." is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. Now, I'm going to put that in a little bit different wording. He actually says that in different places in different ways. But your calling in life is wherever your passion and your joy, your greatest joy, connects with the greatest needs of the world. In other words... Wherever your passions are, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're gifted to do, whatever brings you great joy when you do it, wherever that intersects with the greatest needs of the world, that's where your calling is. Does that make sense? That's where your calling is. So some of you may be sitting here today, well, you know what? I really don't like my job. I'd like to get another job. I'd like to really find what my calling is so I could be in a place where I can really use my giftedness and find my joy and use my passions to the utmost of their, my ability at a place where it meets needs in the name of Christ. And, and that may be part of what you need to hear this morning. You need to write that quote down. You need to pray about it. And that's how you plan is as you pray and as you plan, you got to look at where's God gifted you? Where are your passions? Where are your joys? And how does that intersect with the needs in our community and in our world? You know, Janice and I are both uh, planners. Um, we plan in different ways. She's a lot more detailed than I am. But uh, we, we are always putting our calendars together and putting together a plan. You know, our church has a strategic ministry plan. Did you know that? Our leaders of our church worked really hard, along with all of our staff and lots of other uh, people that were involved, uh, to put together a strategic ministry plan. We have a plan for our church. And, And every time our executive leadership team meets, we ask a question. How are we doing in regards to our strategic ministry plan, which has specific goals and everything in it? And so we're constantly asking ourselves those questions. How are we doing when it comes to the plan? We put a lot of prayer into that plan, but we also have a plan, and we're trying to work that plan prayerfully. Janice is this week up at Camp Glisson, which is a United Methodist camp up in North Georgia, right outside of Dahlonega, and she has been asked to be the theologian in residence for the camp. They have a different theologian in residence each week, and it's usually a pastor from different parts of the southeast, and they invited her to do it. And what she does is she got 350, 400 kids that are checking in today, and every day this week, starting the night, she'll be doing two devotionals a day for 350, 400 campers and about 100-and-something staff and counselors. And, and it's a big, and she'll be doing devotions, uh, 20, 30 minutes 
uh, in the morning, 20, 30 minutes in the evening, and then, and then during the, uh, the rest of the day, she'll be meeting with different family groups. So there are about 30 family groups that the t- t- kids are divided up into groups, and so she'll do different th- activities with them. But she's been praying about this and planning on this for a long, long time. She's known about it for, for six months now. And she's been planning and planning and praying and praying. And, and she put together a notebook that has all of her lessons in it. And she, she went out and each lesson, because she's talking to kids and, uh, and, and young adults. And so she wanted to have an object lesson for each one of these devotions. So she's got all kind of different objects. She's got bracelets she's given out one day. She's got little crosses she's given out one day. She's got uh, all kinds of different things that she's going to give them because she loves to use object lessons when she teaches. And, and she's been working and planning and, and getting all ready for this. And I know it's going to be successful. Because why? Because she's been praying and she's been planning. We're going on a trip uh, I've been on lots of mission trips over the years, coordinated a lot of them all around the world. But this, this year, Compassion International, which is one of our mission partners, has invited Janice and I and uh, Larry Briars and his wife, Vicki Briars, Larry's pastor over at Fraser, And we're going on a trip, a vision trip with Compassion International because they want to show us, you know, what they're doing on the ground in Uganda and Kenya. And they, they have two million children that have been uh, adopted through Compassion International, two million children that uh, they uh, take care of. Some of them live in their homes. Some of them live in orphanages. Uh, but you can adopt a child. A few weeks ago, we had Compassion International Sunday, and many of you adopted uh, children for like $35 a month. You can provide everything that child needs, food, clothing, school supplies, education, everything. And, and so we're going over there to see firsthand on the ground what they're doing in Uganda and Kenya. And uh, I tell you what, one of the great things about this trip is I'm not having to plan it. It's been really great. But they're, they're planning the whole thing. And they, sent, they are so super organized. They sent us a book about our trip. I mean, it's a really nice book. Tells you all about the trip, what to do, bring it with you. It's also got a journal in it, and it is super organized. And because they put so much prayer and so much planning into this trip, I know that it's going to be very fruitful and very successful, and we are very excited about it. But prayer and planning are a big part of your work, or should be, if you want to be successful and fruitful and honor the Lord. So always seek God's direction in your business. Let me ask you a question this morning. I, I know many of you, some of you have your own businesses. Many of you work for different uh, companies and, and some of you are in the military. But are you asking the Lord how he can use you in a mighty way? Are you praying about your business, your work? And how you can honor the Lord through your job, through your position. We should be. It's a huge part of our life. If we're not using our job to honor the Lord, then we're missing out on a huge chunk of our lives that matter to the Lord. He wants to use you in the workplace in a mighty way for him. The the second thing he says to us, Solomon says you need to sharpen your skills. If your axe is dull and its edges are unsharpened, more strength is needed for skill will bring success. Listen, I'm going to read you the New Living Translation of that, and this is from Ecclesiastes 10.10, also written by who? 
Anybody know? Solomon, right. Using a dull axe requires great strength. So, sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Have any of you, I want to see a show of hands, how many of you have ever chopped down a tree with an axe? Just raise your hand. A lot of you. Okay, good. Um, how many of you ever tried to chop, chop down a tree with a dull axe? I have. And it takes, what, 10 times as long. It's a lot harder. It will, it will create a whole lot more work for you. But if you'll sharpen that axe, You'll be wiser, and your work will go smoother and a lot faster. So what Solomon seems to be saying here is work smarter. Not necessarily harder, work smarter, and you will accomplish more. I tell you, I I really believe that developing your, your skills is something you're always doing. Whatever gifts you've been given, whatever skills you have, whatever talents you have, you need to be sharpening them every day because your acts will get dull. And you need to be sharpening your gifts every day, honing them every day, getting better every day. I remember one of the first leadership books I ever read was by John Maxwell. John Maxwell is the leadership guru of the world. He's written over 100 books now um, on leadership. Nobody's written more books than John Maxwell on leadership. I mean, and if you, by the way, I'm just going to throw this. This is all free, by the way, but this is an extra free uh, nugget, okay? If you want to be successful, I want to highly recommend to you that you read every John Maxwell book on leadership that you can get. Why? Because John Maxwell is a, pastor he's a christian everything he writes is from a from a biblical perspective a christian perspective and yet he crosses all boundaries i mean he he he's the leadership guru for people that are of other religions and he's a leadership guru for atheists and he's a leadership guru for christians and people of all backgrounds and and why because he's using biblical principles to talk about leadership he doesn't always say that but he's very open about his faith. But I read that book, Developing the, one of the first books you ought to read by John is Developing the Leader Within You. I want to recommend it to you young folks down here. Read the book, Developing the Leader Within You. It is an awesome book. It's an easy read, and it'll be something. I keep it on my desk. It's sitting on my desk right now. I look at it all the time. I read it 20 years ago, and I'm still reading it. I'm going to reread it, but I'm also reading all of his new stuff too. Why? Because he's teaching me to be a better leader. But here's what he says. He says, never quit growing. Never stop learning. Yesterday, we had a funeral in this very room, and standing right here, there was a guy that was a member of the family that sang the old rugged cross. Kareem Free, who plays uh, the piano here, she's on our staff, and she's an accompanist, and does a, she's a phenomenal musician. She has a Ph.D. in music. She teaches music at the university. She teaches uh, piano lessons as well, and she's just an accomplished pianist. She's played, since she was a little girl, 
And she's played the old rugged cross. I asked her this morning, how many times have you played the old rugged cross? Probably thousands of times. And an hour before the service started, this, she was going to play for this guy that was going to sing the old rugged cross. And an hour before the service started, guess what she was doing? Anybody want to guess? Practicing. I walk down the hall and I hear on a piano in one of the classrooms down the hall, Corrine playing the old rugged cross. What was she doing? She was just practicing. She didn't need to practice that song. She's played it a thousand times. She could play it in her sleep. She could just showed up and played it, never missed a beat. I promise you she would not have missed a beat. But she was practicing. Honing her skills, keeping her axe sharp. How do you sharpen your skills? I'm going to give you just three or four things real quick that I've done to try to keep my skills sharp. And by the way, you're in school right now. And one day you're going to graduate from high school. And some of you, many of you will go to college and one day you'll graduate from college. But let me just tell you something. That doesn't mean that you stop learning. You're going to keep on learning and keep on learning. And all of you are going to be successful because you're going to keep on sharpening that axe every day. You're going to keep on growing. You're going to keep on learning. And how do you do it? Number one, he says, seek advice. Get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. Get all the advice that you can get. You know, I've got people in my life that I look to that I've gotten advice from over the years pastor friends of mine when when I was a young pastor especially when we were starting out and trying to grow the church uh, I I often went to and I still talk to these people by the way I still get advice from them but I would go and I would talk to John Ed Masson who was a pastor at Frazier for 35 years grew it into a big mega church and John Ed is known around the world I don't know if y'all know that but he's known around the world and and yet I would call him up and and I would go by and sit down and I would talk to him and get advice hey we're getting ready to do this what do you think about this what do you think about that and he was always willing to give you advice by the way wise people that you want to go to for advice they're willing to give you all the advice you want but guess what you have to do what somebody say it ask they'll give it to you but just ask them so John Ed Masson Jeff Spiller, a friend of mine down in Mobile, started a church and grew it into a big church. And, and George Matson, I worked with for years at Auburn Methodist as his associate. And I've got, I could go down a long list of others. But do you have some mentors? Do you have some people that you seek advice from? They don't necessarily have to be in your field. They just need to be successful Christian men and women that you can learn from. So seek advice. Number two, read. Read books. Yes, old-fashioned books. Read them. Now, you can buy them online and read them on your iPad or whatever. It doesn't matter. But, but there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of trash out there too. But you need to find the great books and read them. Read them about, read John Maxwell's books on leadership. Uh, read Read uh, uh, other Christian writers. I could give you a long list of those uh, who will help you grow spiritually. 
There's a lot of great books out there, and, and you need to read. I'm a part of a group of guys that's called Joshua's Men, and I do a group every year, and David and I are co-leading it. David was in our co-leading one, and leads a group of women, um, and and, and every year, we have 12 to 15 people that go through, 12 15 women that Ann works with, 12 15 men that we work with. And you know what they have to commit to do to be in the group for that year? Read one book a month. That sounds like a lot, isn't it? It actually is a lot. <laughs> one book a month. And, and, and we have strategic books that we have them read every month. Why? Because we want them to grow. We want them to sharpen their skills. We want them to get better and better and better in their walk with the Lord, in their journey in the faith, but also in their business, in their work, with their family, as a husband, as a wife. Read. There's a lot of great books out there. Go to conferences and seminars. Avail yourself of conferences and seminars There's a lot of great conferences and seminars out there, and you can learn from those people. You can learn from them. I tell you, I have done that over the years. I have gone to conferences. I've gone to seminars, and I take notes. I'm a note taker. Now I take them on my iPad, but I'm a note taker. Every conference I go to, every seminar, I can learn something from anybody. That's the way I look at it. I can learn something from anybody. And, And so I'll take notes, and I... I've gone, for example, the Purpose Driven Life Conference years ago. I went when we first were getting kicked, trying to grow St. James. Uh, I went, Rick Warren had a conference called Purpose Driven Life Conference, which now they've re, uh, revamped and restarted. Uh, Bill Hybels had a conference called the Church Leadership Conference in Chicago. I went to that every year. And, and you know what I did? You know what I did? Every time I went to a conference or a seminar, you know what I did? I made a little side list of 10 things that I was going to take back to St. James and that I was going to implement or try. And I would bring those 10 things back to the leaders and I would present it to them and I'd say, hey, these are 10 ideas, 10 things that I think we could try at St. James. And the great thing about St. James leaders is they're always like, yeah, let's try it. They've always had a spirit of, yeah, let's do it. Let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. And so we would experiment, trial and error. And, you know, probably three-fourths of those things may not have worked. But if you find just a few things that work for you, then you use them. And that goes for your personal life, your business life, your family life. Make a list of 10 things that you're going to try that are new, that are different, so you can keep growing. John Maxwell has a thing called the cycle of success. It's, you know what it is? It's test, test things out, fail, learn, improve, rethink. That's good advice, isn't it? So try things. Try things in your work. Try things uh, in your business and see if they will work. Young leaders, I want to give you all some other free advice, okay? You all awake? You with me? All right, good, all right. Here's some free advice, and this is true for everybody, but I especially want you all to hear it. I want you to find five men or women or both who are successful, Christian men and women who are successful in whatever they do, and and you ask them if you can have 30 minutes of their time. And I want you to come up with five questions that you're going to ask them about how they have been successful and fruitful in their work. And I want you to take notes, and I want you to 
put it in your mind and remember it. And I want you to use that information to help you grow. That is a great thing to do. Five people, five questions. And then you, you start working on those. For example, you might ask them, uh, what do you think I need to do over the next five years so that I can be successful and fruitful at whatever I'm being called to do? That's one a question you might ask. So those kinds of things. Now, I'm, I'm real proud of Harden. He's our oldest son, and he's at Duke Divinity School, and he's in El Salvador right now, which, by the way, he texted me the other day. He said, Dad, he's staying with a family, and he walked into his bedroom, and there was a turtle in his bedroom. Like, not a little turtle, a big turtle. And it crawled underneath his chester drawers. And he said, Dad, uh, I can't get that turtle out of my room. I don't know why he had moved the chester drawers. But anyway, maybe it's glued, bolted down or something. Anyway, he said, but every time I go up to get something out of the chester drawers, I'm afraid that turtle's going to come out and bite my toe off. (laughs) I said, well, how big is that turtle? You know, that's a big turtle. I mean, I've heard of other critters. I've never heard of a turtle getting in a house, but I've heard of lots of other things getting in a house. Anyway, so he's, uh, he's down there. But before he left, you know what he did? You know what he did? He set up meetings with five very successful people who were Christians, and he met with them, and he had a list of questions. And he sat down, and he went methodically, same questions for each one, and he, and he, and he made a note, took it down. He actually wrote it on his phone, but, uh, he, but he made notes. And he's learning from them. All right, let's go to the next one. If you want to be successful in business, share the profits. Share the blessings. Honor the Lord by giving him the first fruits of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflowing, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Do you think that as a Christian, you should put God first? Well, all of you know what the correct answer is, right? Yes, of course, I should put God first. Do you think God should be a partner in your business? And if God is a partner in your business, should he not get part of the profits? Just a thought. Think about it. How are you partnering with the Lord in your business? Let me tell you something. I'm going to ask you this I'm going to read you a list of about six, seven names of some very famous, successful people. And I want you to think about what these people have in common, all right? You're going to recognize these names. William Colgate, who was the founder of Colgate Palmolive Corporation. Henry Crowell, who was the founder of Quaker Oaks Corporation. William Proctor, who was the founder of Proctor & Gamble Corporation. R.G. Letourneau, founder of the Letourneau Corporation, which is big earth movers, the Wallace Johnson, who was the founder of Holiday Inns, Robert Welch, who was the founder of Welch's Grape Juice, John D. Rockefeller Sr., who was the founder of Standard Oil, and J.C. Penney. Does anybody have any idea what these guys might have in common? I asked that question at the 8 o'clock service, and somebody actually raised their hand, and I thought, oh, okay, somebody knows, and I said, what? And he said, they all failed in business before they were successful. That's true. If you look at most successful people, they've had many failures before they were successful. But that's not the answer I was looking for. Here's the thing that they all have in common. You know what it is? They all have published testimonies about how tithing and generosity was a key part of their business strategy and was the main reason for their success. 
all of these people were people of faith and said that they tithed on the profits of their business, starting at 10%. And then many of them went up over the years to 15% or 20%. And later in life, some of them went to 50%. A few of them even went to 80 or 90% and they lived off the 10%. These were all very generous people of faith who tithed and gave generously from the profits of their very successful businesses. But they said the reason for their success was because they were generous. Are you being generous with the successes that you do have? You know, you have to start somewhere. Maybe your profits aren't where you want them to be right now. Maybe your income isn't where you want to be. But you've got to start somewhere. Are you a generous person? These men were successful because they were generous according to themselves and their own words. Is God your partner in your business? If he is, maybe you and the Lord need to decide what percentage of the profits he's going to get. We need to be generous. If half of your life about you're going to spend working half of your waking hours and it's a big deal, right? And it's important not only to you, but it's important to the Lord how you use it. All right, last one. Stay with it. Diligence. Hang in there. Diligence brings a man to power. Another translation says diligence brings a man or a woman's success. Steady plotting brings prosperity. This is about being diligent. This is about perseverance. This is about persistence. This is about hanging in there when you want to give up. This is about plotting along day after day after day after day. If you want to be successful and fruitful and effective in your work, whatever that work is, then you've got to be willing to be persistent. Put one foot in front of the other. Keep on keeping on. Stay the course. Wellington, the great British general, defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. And someone asked him how he did it. His simple answer was, I've taught the British soldiers to fight five minutes longer than everybody else. Think about that a minute. I've taught the British soldiers to stay in the fight just five minutes longer than everybody else. It's about hanging in there. It's about staying tough. It's about staying the course. The guy that flew the first flight over the English Channel, you know, he built his own planes. And, and the first 10 planes that he tried to fly over the, British, uh, the English Channel, did you know that they crashed? So he, every time there were, he would crash one, he would t go back to the drawing board and he would retweak it and redesign it and try again and crash again. He kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Finally, the 11th plane that he designed and built 
made it across the English Channel. But what if he'd stopped at plane number eight or plane number nine? He would have never been successful. He would have never made it across the English Channel. He kept going back to the drawing board. He kept tweaking it. He stayed with it. He hung in there. He was persistent. He was diligent. Let me tell you what. 50% of all of you, 50% of your success in life is going to be you hanging in there no matter what. Diligence and perseverance. Did you know when we relocated this church back in 1995, we moved to the Bell Road Y, actually it was 96, and, and did you know we had about 110 people that were active, that were coming pretty regularly? 110, and, and we had about 300 members, and only about half of those were active. And so over the next 10, 15 years, this church grew by leaps and bounds. It grew like 15% a year, 10% a year. It was crazy growth for a long, long time. Now we have close to 2,000 members. But I want to tell you something. It wasn't always like this. It wasn't always just rapid growth. And and, and there were seasons where we grew rapidly. And then there were seasons where we plateaued. And then there were seasons where we dipped down. And then there would be another season where we we tipped back up. And then there would be another season where we plateaued and dipped down and tipped back up. And there are seasons and cycles in, in every person's life and in every business and in every church. And I got to tell you, I got to confess to you that there were times, there were seasons when I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. This is too hard. And I had leaders in this church that poured into me, Ted Cheek being one of them, but there were many others. And, 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 and I would call them sometimes and say, you know, this is just too hard. I mean, it's just too challenging. And I, I just don't know if I can make it. And they would encourage me to stay the course, persevere, hang in there. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it. I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're going through right now, in your work or in your family. Maybe you own your own business. Maybe you're in a job that you don't like. Whatever you are, wherever you are right now, hang in there. Now, God may lead you to take a different job somewhere else or a different position, but hang in there. Persevere in your prayers. Hang in there and persevere. Endure. And keep praying and keep listening to what the Lord is directing you to do. And keep looking for ways to make a difference for him. And finally, I want to leave you with a quote from the New Testament. Whatever you do, listen to this carefully now. Colossians 3.24. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. Whatever your job is right now, work at it with all your heart as what? As if working for the Lord, not for a man or a woman. I don't care who your boss is. Your ultimate boss is the Lord. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning because you might not like your boss. 
But that doesn't matter. You may not be able to please your boss, but your ultimate boss is the Lord. And you need to work with all your heart, give it everything you've got, because why? It's a big part of your life. You need to give it everything you've got. You need to honor the Lord. You need to do it as if unto the Lord. And you need to give him honor and glory in the work that you do. You know, there are different motivations for working. There's external motivations like getting a paycheck, being able to pay the bills, buying a car, getting a house, buying food. Those are all important things. And then there are internal motivations such as it makes you feel good when you accomplish something. It gives you pride in your work. Those are all good things. But there's an eternal motivation too. And that eternal motivation is found right here in this verse because you are doing it as unto the Lord. You know, Christians above everyone else ought to be the most dedicated, hardworking people in our culture. Our bosses, whether they're Christians or not, should look at us and go, you know what, she is the hardest worker in our company and she is a Christ follower and she does everything, he does everything as if unto the Lord and honors the Lord with everything she does and she always does amazing job. We should be known for that. It is our witness. It's a big part of our testimony, right? How we do at work. And finally, I'll leave you with this. Leave some God room in your work. Leave some God room. What is God room? And I could also say leave some God room in your life, obviously, but today I'm talking about work, so it's both. God room is where the space between what you can do and what God can do. Because God is unlimited. What he can accomplish in Ephesians 3.20 tells us he can accomplish more than we can imagine or hope for. But we've got to leave him room to work in our lives. We've got to leave him room to work in our business. There was a young man that started a cheese company in Chicago many years ago. And he failed, and he went bankrupt, and he was about to just quit. And he went to see a Christian friend of his, and you know what that Christian friend told him? He said, You're, you need to put the Lord first in your business, and then you will experience some success. And so he went back and started it up again, this cheese company in Chicago, and he he said, I'm going to let the Lord be the boss and I'm going to work for him. And he built the biggest cheese company in the world. You know his name? R.L. Kraft, Kraft Cheese. But he put the Lord first. He, he created some God space, a God room where his limitations were here. God has no limitations. Don't live in your limitations. 
Allow the Lord to take you to places that you can't even begin to imagine. In your life and in your work. Thank you for listening to the St. James Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church or our ministries, please visit our website at sjlife.com. We'd love to see you this coming Sunday morning during one of our worship times. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.